For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. For your notes, this is the supernatural spiritual warfare of prayer. We cannot forget that when we pray, things are happening in the spirit realm. Everybody say the spirit realm. Everybody say, I love the supernatural. You know, we really do. We're drawn to it because we are spirit beings. If you look on movies and TV shows, everything in our nature is drawn to the supernatural things. So I have three points for you today on thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Three points. Ready? Here we go. Point number one is God's kingdom rules. Now, when we see that thine is the kingdom, it reminds us there is more than one kingdom out there. Now, God's kingdom rules, but there are kingdoms of darkness out there. There are kingdoms even on earth as well, but God's kingdom always rules. So, um, if we believe in God, because the, the Bible teaches us about God, then we also need to believe in angels, okay? You, you can't say there's one without you. If you believe in God, you believe in the created beings called angels. If you believe in God and if you believe in angels, you must also, and I'm not trying to scare you, but you must also believe in Satan and demons because the same book that taught us about angels is the same book that teaches us about demons. So let me tell you a little bit about Satan. Um, Satan does not wear red underwear. Just so you know, he does not carry around a pitchfork. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Satan's wearing all red and carrying around a pitchfork and breathing fire out of his nose or anything like that. Satan is a created being. We have no reason to be afraid. We need to be aware of him, but we have no reason to live in fear. He is a created being. Um, Satan is not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. God can be anywhere, anytime. Satan can only be in one place at one time. When Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness or on the mount, uh, that's where Satan was at during that point in history. He was not anywhere else. When God and Satan were discussing Job, Satan was in that location. Satan was not anywhere else. However, he does have demonic um, activity. He has demons that he sends out to us. Um, Satan is not an imp. He does not sit on your shoulder and say, eat that you know, second dozen Krispy Kreme donut box. He does not do that to you. That is not what Satan is like. Um, it's interesting, but the world, I believe, wants us to, um, to um, not even hardly be aware of Satan at all. So they make it seem like he's just this little imp that sits on your shoulder and tries it. That's not what it's about. Um, Satan is real. Satan is very real and he studies you and he studied your parents and he studied your grandparents to find out what areas to tempt you in, what areas to get you off course in. Um, Satan was actually the most beautiful angel in heaven, the most beautiful. He was adorned in every precious jewel. Why was Satan adorned in every jewel? Here's why. The job of a jewel is to reflect light. Satan's job in heaven as the worship leader was to reflect all praise and glory off of himself and unto God. But at some point, Satan had a thought that he wanted some of that glory for himself. And Jesus says this. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. God threw him out of heaven like lightning. When he left heaven, one-third of the angels came with him, and they became demons. Demons is mentioned 82 times in the Bible. We cannot say there's no such thing as demons if it's mentioned in the Bible, especially 82 times. 61 of those 82 times that are in the Gospels, I believe is so much in the Gospels is because nobody had authority over the demons whenever Jesus, until Jesus showed up. No one had authority over demons. In fact, even until his Holy Spirit got sent out, was there not authority over demonic activity. Now, I want to show you some things about demons, but I'm not trying to produce fear. I'm just trying to teach you, okay? There are seven different categories of demons in the Bible. Here they are. 
thrones, lordships, rulers, authorities, evil and unclean spirits, principalities of darkness, and rulers of the darkness. Um, the prophet Joel talks about Satan's demonic army like this. He says they're an organized army like that of locusts. When locusts get, you know, when they swarm out, they know exactly what they're after. They're out to, to destroy everything in sight. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not fight against human beings, but against rulers of darkness and spiritual forces in the supernatural sphere. Okay, let's stop. This is an incredibly important scripture for you. Here's what this scripture is saying. Everything that we see in the natural started with the supernatural. Every fight you get in, whenever you and your spouse are fighting with each other, you need to stop and remind yourself there is a force of darkness that wants your marriage to be destroyed. Instead of fighting with each, instead of fighting against each other, you need to fight with each other against the darkness that's trying to destroy your marriage. When your child is not doing right, and they're out there, you know, just running wild and not serving God, you can buy self-help books, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can buy parenting books, and that's great. But you have to ultimately realize there's something in the spirit realm that's stopping your child, trying to destroy your child's life and stop them from serving God. Therefore, we have to do battle in the spirit realm at some point. We have to recognize everything started in the spirit realm. Even when you get to the Big Bang Theory and how the earth was created and all these things that people think, no matter how far you slice back the physical, you can slice the physical back to a small molecule or atom, you're still going to get something physical. Therefore, the physical had to come from the spiritual. It had to start in the spirit realm. Imagine, even when God created the physical, He used the very thing I'm teaching you about. He used words. He used prayer. When God spoke, then the supernatural turned into the natural. The spiritual turned into the physical. It's very important when we read this scripture that we realize, and I'm not trying to put all the blame on Satan and I'm not trying to say that we don't need to take responsibility for our actions. We do make stupid choices. We're unwise at times. But ultimately the calamity that you're facing in your life started in the spirit realm and the enemy is after you. Um, demons are real. C.S. Lewis is one of the greatest writers of the last century and he said this. He said there's two types of people that Satan loves. Satan loves the skeptics and the superstitious. He loved the skeptics and the superstitious. The skeptics always said there's no such thing as demons. That was just in the Bible. People were sick and they couldn't explain it, yada, yada. Then you got the superstitious where every time you sneeze, they're trying to cast out a demon. <laughs> He's got a demon in him. You know, so if you're camped out over here or if you're camped out over here, I need you to pick up your tent and walk in the middle with the rest of us, okay? Demons are real, but not everything we do in life is their fault. But they are at battle against us in the spirit realm. Acts 10.38 says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. The devil brings oppression in our lives. Um, if you're here today and there's a black cloud that's been hovering over an area of your life for years and you're trying your best to get out of it, maybe in the area of finances or health, or relationships, or mental stability, or depression, whatever it is, you have to recognize that there could be spiritual powers of darkness after you. Demons are after you to destroy the things that God has in your life. So if there's a continual oppression, and you've tried everything you can, you have to start doing battle in the spirit realm. 
You can't just get all the, the medicine and the self-help and the, the natural things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to recognize if there's continual oppression in our life, it's coming from the devil. He brings oppression and Jesus wants to heal you of that. Now, if you're here today, um, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you recognize there's demonic power coming against you. I've had demons in my life that I've had to deal with, and I think all of us have, and no one is exempt from demons coming after you. In fact, um, it could be actually that shows that you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path whenever Satan sends his demons to attack you. So you have to recognize if there's continual oppression, there's something trying to destroy your life that you may not be able to see in the natural. So God's kingdom always rules is number one. Number two is this. Um, God has all the power. Um, there was, a, there was a, um, a, a bullfight that was taking place down in Central America years ago. And uh, this little bullfighter, he was probably 150 pounds. And the bull that they had out there in the ring was probably about a 1,000-pound animal. And the bull would duck his head, and he would kick his foot back, and he'd huff and puff, and he would go after that man. And when he got close to the man, the little man would hold out a red cape on the side as like to distract the bull. And the bull would run right through the cape every time. Now, each time the bull ran through the cape, the man would take his sword and he'd poke that bull right in the butt. I mean, this happened over and over and over again. The more he poked that bull, the more angrier and frustrated the bull got. This happened over and over again and over again. And each time the bull would come after him, the man would hold out a red cape and the bull would go right through the red cape. This happened so many times, there was a guy in the stands watching this for the first time ever. He was so excited, and he said something very profound. He said, if that bull ever finds out who's really sticking him with the sword, then that little 150-pound man is going to be in a whole lot of trouble. The same thing is true in our life. If we as believers would recognize who's really sticking us with that sword, then the devil and his demons are going to be in a whole lot of trouble if they come against us. Every time we fight in the natural, every time she said and he said and we better fix this and I'm so upset and we got to put it on Facebook how bad life is and we want people to feel sorry for us and I can't believe I'm going through this. All we're doing is going after the red cape over and over and over and over again. When you finally decide to get down on your knees and use the power we have in Jesus' name, then maybe those demons will take off and run. The Bible says they tremble at the very name of Jesus. Demons don't tremble when you put stuff on Facebook about how bad life is. Demons do not tremble when you tell three people how awful your life is going. Demons do not tremble when you yell and cuss and scream and fight back. Demons tremble when you use the name of Jesus. And thine is the kingdom, number two. God has all the power. He has all the power. Um, I was thinking about this. If a thief broke into your home, okay, a thief breaks into your home tonight when you get home from church, your family's there, y'all are about to go to sleep. A thief comes in. Let's say you, even, let's say you left a window open. The thief comes in. Um, that thief is in there, and let's say that you recognize he has the intentions to um, steal your money, um, to kill your children, and to destroy your marriage, and you recognize it, would you, A, deal with it later? Then you know what? This guy's in my house. He's going to steal, kill, destroy. I'm just going to wait and deal with it some other time. Would you, B, try to sit down with him and beg him, please don't steal from me. Please don't kill my children. Please don't destroy my marriage. Or would you, C, get a weapon 
and knock the crap out of him or shoot him in the head and kick his butt and get him out of your house? Which one would you do, A, B, or C? Okay, John 10, 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we leave an open window to demonic activity in our life, and I'm going to show you some open windows in a little bit, when we do that, you can deal with it later. You can beg Satan, please stop hurting me and stop bringing this oppression in my life. Or you can use a weapon and kick his tail. Now, um, if you got a CWP license or you carry a gun or whatever you do, can you shoot a demon? If a demon's coming after you, a demon's trying to destroy your life, steal, kill, and destroy, can you shoot a demon? No, you can't. So you got to get a weapon that does battle in the spirit realm. Um, God did God took care of things in the natural by starting in the spiritual using the words that came out of his mouth. The way we do battle in the spirit realm is through prayer. Demons do not see the color of your skin. Demons don't see your height. Demons respond when we speak out the name of Jesus and pray the word of God over our life. Let me show you some scriptures undoing battle in the spirit realm. Matthew 8.16 Many were demon-possessed and sick and Jesus cast out devils with a word. I mean, with a word, demonic activity took place. And with a word, he got them out of the way and out of there. I wish we had a word. Wouldn't you love to have had a word from the Lord that you could use against, you know, in the spirit realm? Man, it's amazing. We actually have a whole book filled with words from the Lord. Uh, Matthew 17, 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and the child was cured. Now, this implies that children can have demons. Um, you know that you can open up the door to demonic activity in your child's life with um, Ouija boards, with um, sorcery, with, um, with um, um, fortune telling, uh, with tarot cards, with uh, uh, reading your fortune and things like that. You bring that into your home, demons can attach themselves to your child. You tell a child, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to listen. Whenever you're ready to serve God, that's what well, you just open up. A, you actually just open up a door to demonic. I can show you biblically. You open up a door to demonic activity in your home. Um, you can actually bring in jewelry or things or antiques or things like that that came from a, um, a, 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 a world religion or a cult and that can bring demonic activity into your home unless you pray over it in the power of Jesus' name. There's a lot of things I don't think we realize we do that, um, that we do that open up windows. Satan's just looking for a window. All he, listen, all he needs is this much of a crack. That's it. Remember the Bible says don't give the Satan a foothold. A foothold is when someone's trying to slam a door and someone puts their foot there. And you can't close the door because there's a foothold right there in the doorway. There's so many things we do, I don't even think we realize. And here we are trying to fight against the red cape and trying to work it all out in the natural. Luke 4.33 said there was a man in the synagogue who had an unclean spirit or a foul mouth. There's a demon of negativity and profanity. A demon. And you open up the door... Do you know people that every sentence, every sentence is either negative or profanity. It's like they can't not use a cuss word with everything they say or they can't not be negative with every sentence out of their mouth. That's a demon. It's a demon. And if, um, and if you're here today, I'm not trying to scare you, okay? Listen, those of y'all that are visiting with us, <laughs> we'll bring the snakes out later. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, I, this, is just, this is just one part. And I'm not trying to scare you anything like that, okay? Don't, don't leave here and demon, 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 I can't believe this. I'm just trying to teach. You don't have to believe me either. Listen, if you don't believe me, I'm not going to be upset with you. That's okay. I, actually, there was this, a friend of mine, he, um, he, he's a strong prayer warrior, and he went to another country um, to do some missionary work. 
and there was another pastor there of this church, and they didn't believe in demons at all. And, um, and I, this one even in my notes, but, and he, um, he told the pastor, he said, um, what, what do you mean you don't believe in demons? He's like, no, he said, and he said this, he said, so when the demon's in somebody, y'all just leave it in them? Y'all just leave the demon there? You know, the, the, it was so funny how he said it. Anyway, anyway, it was funny if you knew my friend. Okay, so Jesus did this. What about you and me? Mark 6, 12, and they, the disciples, cast out demons and healed many who were sick. Are you a disciple of Christ? Mark 16, 17, miraculous signs will be with those who have faith. And in my name, believers will cast out demons. Now, I'm not telling you that somebody's head's going to start spinning around and green stuff's going to start coming out their mouth. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying when you pray, recognize if there's oppression in your life or in the life of your children or in the life of your friends or your pastors or your, your leaders or whoever you're praying for, president, whatever, and rebuke those demons in Jesus' name. Make sure you use in Jesus' name. Um, I want to show you some things um, in a little bit that, that demons are after. But again, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you. Um, you can take me back. No, take me back to the slide before. I'm not there yet. Slide before. Slide before, slide before, just go backwards one. That's a good one too. Okay, so um, I was reading, I, I, I read a lot of, you know, material and stuff, and there's this one story, I've read tons of stories about this, but there's this one that I actually knew the person, and it just meant a whole lot to me, so let me tell you this. Um, there was this young lady, she lived in Alaska, okay, and her father was in charge of the cults that went on in that particular region. And uh, she later got saved, gave her life to Jesus, and told this story in one of her books. But uh, she told how her father would go out many times at night to cast spells on people, demonic activity, left and right. And she told how one night her dad went to this particular house to cast a spell on this guy, and I uh, wanted to destroy his business, and you know he was somehow trying to buy his business or something like that. Anyway, so he went to this house to do his sorcery and all that kind of thing, and for some reason, his, the spirits he was working on, they would not penetrate the home. He tried and tried and tried to cast his spells, and it would not penetrate the house. He got so confused, so he went up to the window to find out what was going on in the home. And when he looked inside, he saw the guy who he was trying to cast a spell on, but there were three or four other people in the home that were visiting from the local church nearby. They were having a Bible study, doing a small group. They were praying. And so this guy that was head of the cult, he went back home. And he told his family something that this young lady, the daughter, says she'll never forget the rest of her life. Her father said this, If believers knew the power that they had in the spirit realm, they would never be afraid of anything again. And the same, listen, with me and you, we have no reason to be afraid. No reason at all. I'm going to give you some things that demons are after in your life, and it's not to produce fear. It's only to produce wisdom, okay? So stay with me and don't run out here with your head spinning around. Okay, here we go. Um, number one, demons are after this. They're after your tithe. They're after the tithe. And let me explain how brilliant this is of Satan. Uh, the Bible says your, 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 where your heart is, your treasure is as well. So if, the, if Satan can somehow, if his demons can talk you into taking the money that actually belongs to God, the first 10% that it should be in the possession of God, it belongs to him. If a demon can talk you into taking that money that is God's and putting it somewhere else, then 
sooner or later your heart is going to go away from God and the local church and your heart's going to go in a different direction. Not only that, but if he can talk you into taking that money and putting it into some sort of addiction, which is even worse, then not only will it get your heart away from God, but the addiction will destroy your life. He's after, first of all, the tithe. Daniel chapter 1. Number 2, he's after church leaders who are weary. Daniel 7.25, and there's a scripture about with David concerning this. But uh, the demons are after church leaders who are weary, who are burnt out because 10% of the people in church are doing 90% of the work. you got to keep your church leaders in your prayers. you got to pray for them, help them, encourage them. Church leaders, you got to know when to take a vacation. Know when to say no. Know when to say too much. I can't get worn out. Demons are after this. Now, in the Bible, for your notes, demons are wolves in the Bible. They're snakes, serpents, and they're even Chaldeans or Chaldeans, however you want to pronounce it. After the Chaldeans or Chaldeans all died, every mention of them in the Bible after their entire group died is referring to demon activity. Number three, they're after your children. Demons are after your babies. They are after your children, after the next generation. Uh, they want your children to stay home from church. They want your children to, to, um, to not learn about the things of God, to not be part of children's church. And if you don't believe me, just look at what Satan did when Moses was born. He killed every single one of the babies. When Jesus was born, same thing, every single baby. Number four, demons are after Christians who don't serve in a local church. Not attend but who don't serve in a local church. Uh, that's a Christian has got one foot in, one foot out. I love Jesus enough to come to church, but I don't love him enough to serve the very fallible people inside that church. Uh, Ezekiel 22, 27, Zephaniah 3, 3, Acts 20, 29, all about wolves. Wolves are after sheep that are on the fringe or on the, on the fray of the sheepfold. Wolves are after sheep who have no shepherd. Wolves are after sheep that just come and go as they please. They don't stay close to the shepherd. They're not with the rest of the family protected with all the sheep. They just come and go whenever they want to, and they're not close to the, the heart of the local church. And wolves will always, they're after blood. They will destroy the sheep that are on the fringe of the sheepfold. But again, we have no reason to fear. Philippians 2.9 says that Jesus is the name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth. Here's what I'm saying. You've got to rise up in the name of Jesus, rebuke that demon that's trying to destroy your life, and use godly wisdom in your finances or with your children or with your church and get to where God wants you to be or the demons will just keep on coming after you. It's an open door. We can't have an open door in our life. Thine is the kingdom, thine is the power. Number three, here we go. God gets the glory. God wants all the glory. Uh, I think it's so interesting that at the end of times, whenever Satan gets thrown into the bottomless pit, God doesn't do it. Jesus doesn't do it. They actually send an angel to do it. Remember earlier I told you that one-third of the angels rebelled and became demons? That means two-thirds, that means for every one demon after you, you got two angels for you. Two angels for you. Now, if you think an angel's, yeah, don't, let me tell you what an angel can do. Revelation 20, verse 3, an angel is what throws Satan in the bottomless pit and shuts him up at the end of time. I believe, I like the kind of picture, I love having a Steven Spielberg mind, and I picture the end of times that God's on his throne and Jesus is there next to him, seated at the right hand of the Father. And um, God's like, you know what, Jesus? Son, I think it's time. Jesus like, are you serious, God? Is it time? It's time. 
Oh, I'm so, oh, this is going to be great. I can't wait. Okay, you want me to do it? I'll go take care of it. You know what, son? You just stay right there. Just send one of the angels. And I can see Michael and Gabriel. Come on, we got this. The guy says, no, no, no. Send the new guy. Get the little chubby angel with the sitting on the cloud playing his harp, you know, whistling Dixie, whatever he's doing. Get that little chubby. Tell him to go through angel, the throw, throw, go through a bit. Make sure he says, in Jesus' name. Just make sure he uses my name. Um, so I have a question for you. And don't answer it out loud because you're probably going to get it wrong. Can a believer be demon-possessed? Can a Christian who has the Holy Spirit living in them be possessed by a demon? Now, if you look online and all these kind of things, you'll find thousands of people say no. Okay, I'm going to teach you from the Bible. The answer is yes. The two Greek words for demon possession are demonai zomai. And here's exactly what it means. There's two different translations for it. One in the Bible is referring to unbelievers. And it's demonic ownership. Everybody say ownership. This is if their heart does not belong to Christ, then the Satan has authority and he has an open door to take hold of them. And he will take hold of them until they die and go to hell unless they give their life to Jesus. But the same English word for demon possession has another translation in the original Greek, and that is demonic mastery, almost like a puppet, um, almost like the way uh, if a Christian man takes drugs or alcohol, the alcohol doesn't own the man, but he's under the mastery of that too much alcohol or of those drugs and does things he wouldn't normally do does things he was going to later be ashamed of. Um, Joel 2.9 says this, They climb into houses, they enter at the windows like a thief. Uh, when you left church today, if let's say you left a window cracked in your home, okay, it could be a window of pride, it can be um, where you steal the tithe, it can be where you just let your children do whatever, it could be Ouija boards, whatever, whatever, you, whatever the open window is, okay? And a thief comes into your home, and a thief's in your home right now. Does the thief own your home? Even though you're a Christian, you're in church, does the thief have a title? Does, it, does his name go in the deed of your home? No, no, no. You still own your home. But is the thief inside of your home? Yes. Now, while the thief is inside of your home, that thief has control over your home. And the thief will steal, kill, and destroy in your home until... Until you kick his butt and send him out in handcuffs, have him arrested and sent back to jail or hell where he belongs, he's going to stay in there and have control over your home. Yes, Christians can have demons attacking them, possession in them, whatever you want to say around them, I don't care. But I want to show you how God can get all the glory. Mark chapter 5, last story and we're done. Mark 5, 1 through 15. A man with an evil spirit who lived in the tombs or the graveyards came to meet Jesus. He had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and would cut himself. Just as a side note, there's a demon of cutting yourself in the Bible. Um, I've actually prayed with a young lady years ago that had a demon. She was a Christian, served God, she sang in church, and um, she had a demon of, of cutting her. She would cut herself on a regular basis. 
uh, and we prayed and prayed and prayed. And I remember I had all the elders surround her in prayer. And after that day, not once is she ever again. To this day, not only has she not cut herself again, but she's actually studying to become a doctor. She's very close to being a doctor now. But anyways, a demon of, listen, demons are real. Demons are real. Um, let's keep going. Cut himself. Um, when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshipped him. Jesus said to him, come out, you unclean spirit. Okay, real quick. If he was not a believer, why would he go and worship Jesus? So this is, we're talking about a believer here. We're talking about somebody who loves Jesus, who wants Jesus in their life, and he's got demons in him. In verse 7, he screamed, What do you want with me, Jesus? I beg you, do not torment me. This is the demon talking. Jesus asked him, What is your name? And the man answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. The word lesion means over 6,000 demons. I think it's 6,860, something like over 6,000 demons. And he begged Jesus not to send them out of the region. Now demons, actually, if you study demonology, there's certain regions, there's more certain demons in each one, where there's a, a demon of, um, of immorality. Um, I, I've read many times where over Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, the area, is a demon of working too much, where they, they, they feel like they got to work 60, 80 hours a week, just like that. Um, there's certain places around the world where there's a lot of demon activity when it comes to alcohol, a lot of demon activity when it comes to more murders, more theft, um, demons of lying. And you'll see that if you actually study uh, world history, you can look in different parts of the world what demons were over that area or over that region. Uh, it goes on to say, verse 11, there was a herd of pigs on the mountain. The demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. Demons are disembodied spirits looking for a host. And they'll even take an animal, which proves my theory, most cats are demon-possessed. Okay, so... <laughs> It was on to say, <laughs> you never know what they're thinking. Like, you're thinking like, you want me to pet you or are you about to claw my eyes out? And then when you go to pet them, they claw your eyes. Just cats are... I probably lost half of you right there, so I apologize for that. Verse 15, the people came to Jesus and saw the man who had, everybody say had, the legion of demons, was demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, in his right mind. Okay, listen. This guy was naked as a jaybird, living in the tomb, in, in the graveyard. He had over 6,000 demons. Okay, let me just say something. This guy was in way worse condition than anyone in this room. Way worse condition. None of you in this room are naked, thank God. None of you have 6,000 demons. You may have some, you don't have 6,000, okay? If there was anybody that Satan could stop if there was anyone that Satan and his demons could destroy it would have been this guy what I love about this story is not even 6,000 demons can stop you from coming to Jesus worshiping him and being delivered of any satanic stuff in your life not even 6,000 demons so I don't want you today to let your pride get in the way because that's an open door to Satan and say, you know what, that's not me. I don't have any problems. That's everybody else in here. You've got to take inventory of what's been going on in your life, in your past, and recognize the oppression. And I don't care how many demons you got. If this guy can come to Jesus, you can come to Jesus too. Amen? There's one more word of the Lord's Prayer I want to tell you. One last final word. 
is the word amen. Amen is translated in the Bible. It has five different translations. Amen, truth, truly, verily, and yes. Um, amen is the only word that's the same in the Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and English. It's mentioned 183 times in the Bible. And here's what basically it means. Amen means that prayer is not prayer unless truth has been spoken. Every time we say amen, we're saying what was said is truth and I want that in my life. Every time we say the word amen, that's what it means. That was truth and I, I claim that. I declare that over my life today. So how many of you want to be free, want to be pure? How many of you want God to reign in your life? How many of you want His kingdom, His power, and His glory to reign in your life today? Just raise your hand. Everybody say amen.